Welcome back to Twice Upon a Time. This week, Roger and I watched Season 1, Episode 10, 7.15 a.m. As always, we'll start with a little synopsis. In Storybrooke, while out for a hike, Mary Margaret comes across an injured bird, and she rushes out in a storm to reunite the bird with the flock. David saves her from a fall to her death, and they confront their feelings for one another. Ultimately, Mary Margaret says they have to forget each other, but a chance meeting ends in a kiss under Regina's watchful eye. In the Enchanted Forest, Snow and Charming are struggling with similar feelings. After receiving a letter from Charming professing his love, Snow seeks into George's castle to find him, only to be captured by George. He forces her to lie to Charming about her feelings for him to save his life. Charming can't accept that and goes after her anyway, calling off his wedding and learning from Red that Snow does in fact love him. Back with the dwarves, Grumpy comes with the happy news that Charming called off his wedding, but finds that in her pain, Snow has taken a potion from Rumpelstiltskin to forget Charming entirely. Roger, what did you think of this episode? Slip it up. Chelsea, what did you think of this episode? Oh, okay. Um, I really, really like the symmetry between what's going on in the Enchanted Forest and Storybrooke here. Usually it's pretty good. Sometimes there's like almost no connection. Um, But this one is like very clear. Like they are struggling with exactly the same feelings. They're, they they can't be together. It's a similar outcome. I would say the feelings are different. Yeah. and I, I, I really like to see that. I think it, I think it helps build their character. It helps us see their characters like very symmetrically. Usually, you have to kind of piece together what's going on in multiple episodes to like figure out what's going on with someone and help us learn more about their character. So that's, I think that's why I really like this episode a lot. Um, and I always love a Snow and Charming focused episode. Very little Regina in this episode though, which is a uh, unusual. I feel like we get Regina in choice spots. We mm-hmm. see her when August is talking to Henry. Mm-hmm. We see her in the store when yep. uh, Mary Margaret bumps into Catherine. And then I believe we see her at the end. Yes, and we also see her when she convinces Emma to uh, investigate the mysterious stranger, who I think is very interesting and I want to learn more about. I feel like she's kind of doing her dark one impersonation where she just pops up everywhere a little <laughs> bit. Like, if she had done a little hello, dearie, I think it would have been perfect. Because she's just kind of popping up at the right time everywhere. Yeah, let's talk about the mysterious stranger. Wait, did you like this episode? I did. I don't love it. I think okay. it's a good episode. Okay. Um, kind of the thing that I found, I guess, interesting about this one is that it is more symmetrical when it comes to Storybrooke and the Enchanted Forest. Though I like that it's different in the sense that in in Storybrooke, it feels like they're doing something wrong. And like their their instincts are to do the thing they want to do, but it's wrong because they're both doing something that they think is bad. Whereas in the Enchanted Forest, it's a little bit like yeah, I guess they're putting the kingdom at risk to some degree. Though I think at this point, it's not really they're not worried about that because George isn't probably going to burn down the entire kingdom. He's just probably going to kill them. And they're trying to actually do the right thing, but that's the harder choice here, which is to be together. Because yeah. it would be easier to just be with Catherine, and then or I think Snow wants to take the potion that will erase her memory. So like. That, that's the little bit of the difference. Let's talk about one quick thing. The victim in all of this right now feels like Catherine and Ab- slash Abigail. Abigail's annoying, but she hasn't really done anything, like, horrendous. Like, all she, she's been put into an arranged marriage, which we assume are pretty standard in the Enchanted Forest. And the person she's supposed to marry clearly doesn't love her. And then, obviously, Catherine is the third woman in her own marriage. This kind of sucks for her. <laughs> I mean, I think the most surprising thing about Abigail in the Enchanted Forest is that... King Midas doesn't just make her marry King George. So I guess 
she gets to marry a handsome young gentleman in that aspect. It would be very standard for a beautiful young woman to have to marry an old man uh, to solidify alliances between the kingdoms. Although I guess King Midas doesn't actually need anything, so. And also, so yeah, King Midas doesn't actually need anything other than he wants heirs. And if you wanted heirs, I logically would rather my daughter be with a young man than King George, who's presumably in his 50s, 60s, or 70s. We don't really know. But he's older than David slash James slash Charming. Sure. So, and also, it is possible he actually does care about her, but this is just the way that they do things back then. So, he maybe he's like, no, George is not worthy for you. I wanted someone who could actually slay a dragon. George ain't killing a dragon with a golden sword. That's not going to happen. And yeah, you're right. Poor Catherine. Like, she... Uh, she just wants to make this work with her husband, who she remembers having struggles with, but also loving very much. And he just is not into it. And then she, like, tries to give him an out. And for some reason, he's like, no, I want to make this work. Like, why, David? Why? We've talked about Regina's low points before. This is a low point for David. Oh, yeah. This you, is definitely a low point for David. You were staring at the easiest exit that I think they both would have been happy with. If you'd have been like, you know what? I don't. It's not really feeling it. You didn't feel like a pregnancy would be a good idea. This isn't working. We had problems before. Let's just go our separate ways. Both sides would be happy here. Catherine can move on and find someone else. You can move on to the woman you actually love. We'd be good. But no, he makes a really bad decision. And maybe, like you said, he's cursed to be his worst self right now. So he's just making a poor decision. But... This was a really pointlessly bad decision on his part. I agree. I don't... I mean, I think that he feels some sort of, like, sense of honor to this woman that he's ma- that he thinks that he's married to. But I just don't... Like, there's, there's nothing honorable about staying with someone that you don't love and cheating on her. Also, the story is that they had real problems. Those problems haven't been resolved because he went into a coma. So, like, his memory, even if you feel a sense of honor to it, it's not... It wasn't like it was a great scenario. You went into a coma. That would make more sense. Like, they were happily ever after. They had children. Then he went into a coma. Yeah, now trying to go to a different woman seems bad. They were already on the rocks. I mean, he went to go clear his head. He left. Like, he was frustrated and mad and angry. Like, this should have been done. I know, obviously, there's reasons why they're not doing it that way. But he logically should have just said, see you later. Of course. Also, the, the pregnancy part. When she says, like, we would, it would be a disaster if I had kids right now, that's like a big red flag that this is not working. Why did she even give him the option to stay? I mean, she she thinks that they can work on it, I guess. But they've been having problems for longer than just David waking up from amnesia. So, like, for as long as anyone for can as remember. long as anyone can remember, they've been having problems. Um, and you know, apparently Archie is a child psychologist and a marriage counselor, and uh, all, he's all the things. He helps with everything. General therapy. Yeah. Yeah. General, general therapy. therapy. Probably the only therapist in town. Who apparently works for the state or can be threatened by the state. Right. And also, like, it's okay to be friends with your therapist, too. He's also the moderator? Um, yeah. I I think he might, like, be, like, the town... Maybe he's on the town council? I don't know. That's a good question. But, yeah, the moderator for the debate. He's He's the voice of the town, let's say that. He is the voice of the town. He is... Let your conscience be your guide. Okay. So we've talked about the victim of the love triangle. Let's talk about our other two participants, shall we? Oh, that's interesting. So you, I, I would not quite call Mary Margaret a victim, but I, I wouldn't call Mary Margaret the victim either. But he relentlessly pursues her, and she repeatedly tries to do the right thing over and over and over again. Except for at seven fifteen, she just wants to see him. Okay. <laughs> also, I don't believe in fate. Like I'm not a person <laughs> that believes in fate. 
But these two people are so drawn together like magnets that they just happen to come to Granny's Diner at 7.15 a.m. Well, one time that occurs, then they keep doing it on purpose. And then they change the time that they're going to go, and it's the same time. What is that? Okay, the 7.45 one, I will give you. That's more like fate. 7.15 felt more deliberate. Well, yeah, but it must have, it must have happened once on accident, which is reasonable. There's not very many places to eat sure. <laughs> in Storybrooke. Also, we kind of learned that Mary Margaret's an excellent tracker, so That's she probably true. just saw him go in there once and was like, oh, this is where I want to be. <laughs> I mean, the way she rushes out the door reminded me actually a lot of when Regina is rushing to get ready to go hit her city council meeting. It was the same type of, like, let me rush and hurry up and get my hair done and spit the toothpaste out and let me tell this blatant lie to the person I'm living with, and now I gotta go. It was very similar to the way Regina rushed out to her city council meeting. You're right. You're right. Okay. Yep. I, I'll, I'll take that. Um, I also think it's interesting when David says to her, it's like I have these two conflicting lives, which he does have. Yeah. But no one would believe that, except for Henry, who hasn't spoken to about this. <laughs> well, that was his mistake. Clearly, you need to go to Henry about thing advice for the curse, and then you'd be fine, or your two conflicting lives. Is he the... Is he, like, the worst cursed person right now? In the sense of not worse in character, but, like, because he has that weird amnesia that he... He has, like, memories of being cursed and memories of not being cursed. No one else but Regina, Rumpel, potentially, uh, Gold, and then anybody who's not from the town. But he actually has two sets of memories that he can recall. And by that, you mean... Like, after he woke up yep. from amnesia, or after he woke up from being in the coma, yes, he didn't have any memories at all, so nope. he built memories mm -hmm. with with uh, Mary Margaret. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's, he's the only person that has like, that. He's literally living up two separate lives yeah. where, like, the memories came back to him, but he doesn't really feel that, and then he has the memories that he built organically himself. And then there's a set of memories that he doesn't have yet. Yes. <laughs> that have innately shaped his character. Yeah. Which would be more like the memories that he built organically. So yes. it kind of makes sense that he is very conflicted here. Having said that, boy, he makes some bad choices. Oh my gosh. Over and over again, he agrees to work it out with Catherine. He keeps trying to talk to Mary Margaret, and then he tries to hold her hand after they let the bird go. Like, come on, man. Like, she's trying her best not, not to participate in this. Her best? She's trying a little bit to not participate in this. There we go. Although I will say something that I found very exciting about this episode the first time I watched it. Uh, they, like, almost kiss once uh, in the episode, and then obviously they kiss at the end, but they almost kiss in the episode, and I, at that point, like, I was like, are they going to break the curse? Like, is, is something going to happen when they kiss? But it didn't. So going back to the, I think it was the previous episode where um, she smells the blanket from Emma. Yeah. I thought this love triangle would have been much more interesting had that woken her up. Mm. And then that is the love of her life. And she has the memories. And now it's no longer about, like, trying to believe that Catherine, like, she knows that's the man she's supposed to be with. So that would actually be, like, an interesting point of, like, and then she would know Regina's the one behind this, so it would be this, like, very different type play, and it, they would actually be in love with two different people. David's in love with Mary Margaret, but that's Snow White now, and she's in love with Charming, but that's not who he is, so you'd have this kind of weird oh, dynamic going on. I thought that was what was going to happen, because she smelled it, and I was like, well, Emma's the only one who's, like, woken people up, so maybe that scent would be, like, and it could be a flash that she doesn't understand, but there could have been something where she's like, uh, how come I, how come I see me and... David together in this like wedding type scenario you know stuff like that 
Yeah, that would have been very interesting. And having to try to convince him without sounding crazy. Yeah, would because be she difficult. would have sounded like she would have literally said, you're supposed to be with me. And he would be like, well, yeah, I kind of think that, too. But I'm married to this woman. But, you know, you're crossing this like weird line between soap opera and fantasy. So mm-hmm. it would have worked very well. I like in this episode that Mary Margaret's honest. Like, she doesn't really lie in this one. She admits to David she has feelings for him. She admits to Emma that she's stalking. Takes a little bit of prodding, but she pretty much lays out the fact that she's been watching his every moment, which, excellent tracker. Like, like mother, like daughter. Both good at tracking people. <laughs> she's got his, like, movements down to a T, which is kind of creepy. And, like, uh, it's adorable, but, like, if you flip it and it was David doing this stalking, I don't think we'd find it's it true. adorable. I mean, also, his life is not that complicated. He does yeah. the exact same thing every day, except on Thursday they pick up Chinese for dinner. <laughs> they have a very exciting marriage. It's very exciting. Also... So, we always love that Mary Margaret and uh, David do an excellent job of chemistry and sparks. They also do awkward very well together. The When they first walk in, they meet each other, and they're kind of doing, like, the head over the shoulder and pretending, and they're trying to have the conversation. Like, they make it seem like it's very uncomfortable for them to be around each other. Yeah. Pretty good sell, because they naturally have really good chemistry. That's true. Um, you wanted to talk about the mysterious stranger. I do want to talk about This is the B story in this Storybrooke episode. I remember not liking August, and I still don't really like August. Interesting. I think August is really great. I, I think he's very mysterious. I think he adds a level, like, I really want to know who he is, and I feel like he's going to have a big impact on the story, and he does. He does. I just, I thought it was kind of ridiculous, the little dialogue he gets into with Emma, where he goes through this, like, I'm going to not show you what's in the box, and then I'm going to make you wait, and everything's going to be tantalizing. I'm like, what? Didn't is... you want to know what was in the box, Roger? Not badly. Not really. I really wanted to know. I mean, I'm sure the first time I watched it, I was very curious in the box, but like he oversells this to me. Like this is a show that had a lot more subtlety and he just goes like over the top Rumpelstiltskin like, which is fine when Rumpel's going over the top because that's who he is. But why is this guy being over the top dramatic with Emma right now? I think, I mean, he's a writer for one. Which I understand. He speaks very poetically. Yeah. Um, I literally wrote what's in the box question mark exclamation point in all caps in my notes. So I want to know what's in the box. I understand why Emma does too. I love how she tries to pretend like she does it. And then she was like, I need to know what's in that box. Um, Is Emma's real superpower that all young men want to buy her a drink? I mean, I I, I actually think that's part of the interesting thing here. I, I think we're maybe meant to think that he's interested in her, but he has another reason for being interested in her, which sure. we will learn in the future. But at this point, we've had two young, dark-haired men with square jaws both want to buy her a drink, and it's been ten episodes. Yep, that's true. That's accurate. Yep. Does she have super pheromones that just force all... And I'm sh- positive she, he's not the last dark-haired, square-jawed man <laughs> who will want to buy her a drink. It's true. It's true. That's her With true a stubble. superpower. With a little bit of stubble. Yep. It's always, it, honestly, always. I think her dating life is just basically the cast of The Bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe it is. Uh, also... August fixing his bike outside of Regina and Henry's house. And Henry just straight up walking up to him. Like, does he, did he not ever take a stranger danger class? Does he not know that he's not supposed to talk to strangers? Of course he doesn't. There are no strangers in the storybook. I guess that's true. How would he know not to talk to strangers? I mean, it's weird that he goes up and talks to a strange man. Then again, he did take a bus to Boston. Mm -hmm. So I guess he's not afraid of strangers. But he doesn't. 
he's not phased by this at all. He's just like, I think Regina asks, who was that? And he's like, mm-hmm. He just shrugs. <laughs> all the adults are freaked out and bothered. And granted, Regina has more information, so I understand why she's freaked out about it. But everyone else is just seemingly bothered by it. And the 10-year-old's like, nah, it's fine. Everything's okay. I also love how Regina comes to Emma for help to, to investigate this stranger. And Emma says, if you're looking to blame me for the storm, she's clearly figured Regina out. She uh, understands her MO is to blame everyone else for her problems. That isn't why Regina was coming by. And she, Emma at first is pretty obstinate. And then immediately, like, Regina's like, well, he was uh, talking to our son. And Emma was like, I'm on it. <laughs> Good manipulation. Well, way to play to the only thing that you know that will get Emma to be like, oh, you're talking to my kid, now I care. Also, one of my favorite lines in this was when Emma jokingly talks about, oh, you know, it, he's one of the millions of people that you cursed, and Regina looks freaked out. Yeah. Like, she, like, pauses and is like, uh, 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 and you're like, oh, okay. Had anyone been looking at that, then she would have been like, that's very weird. Why are you so bothered by a joke like that? I think if Regina could have made a fireball at that moment, it just would have spontaneously occurred. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it would have been fireball or like if she just made herself disappear. Because she looked genuinely worried. Oh, of course. I mean, wouldn't you be? Yeah. Uh, one more thing about Regina since we're already talking about her. The grocery store thing. She's, she's not great in the way that Gold is about orchestrating things. But she can think a step ahead. Was this planned? Or just happy accident and she took advantage of the situation. I think it was a happy accident and she took advantage of the situation. Like, I can't imagine that she engineered for Mary, Margaret, Catherine, and herself to be in the store at the same time. But I could see if she saw Catherine grab a pregnancy test off of the shelf. And presumably, like, that didn't seem surprising to Regina. Like, she, Catherine had probably spoken to her about it. Because um, Catherine thinks she's a friend. And I, I would have to go back and look at... And watch, like, how the bumping into occurs. But it's possible that Regina made that happen. Like, she, like, stood in the way or, like, was blocking someone's view. And then they bump into each other. Yeah. Um, but, no, I know. I don't I don't think she somehow... I mean, everyone was going to the store and buying batteries because a big storm was coming. So, I, I think that was just a happy accident. Mm. Fair enough. Okay. Because, I mean, I know when we... Last time we had David and Mary-focused episode, she bumps into David... Not accidentally. Definitely He's not Very accidentally. clearly yeah. there. So it, it would... And she does seem to pop up a couple other times involving at the very end, right? Like, she's just... What is she doing out there? Well, it's it's very close to Archie's office, so she may have been dropping Henry off for his therapy session. Okay. Um, There's, like, one street in Storybrooke. So <laughs> Main street. <laughs> so maybe she was going to go to Granny's or something. Um, but yeah, like, why was she just sitting in her car? Also, why were they making out in the middle of the street in broad daylight? Like, I almost feel, like, obviously I want to feel bad that Regina has caught them, and this is clearly going to cause a problem. But I'm like, guys, like, just go anywhere. Like, in an alley, around the corner, inside your house, Mary Margaret. Like, anywhere. In the woods. On the street, in front of everyone. like In broad daylight. Catherine could have seen them. Like, anybody could have seen them. I, I will give them this. Clearly, they're not good at having an affair. <laughs> they're really not. They have no understanding of the concept of secrecy, deception, privacy, sunlight. Like, there are many things that they get wrong here. So, they're not experts at this. Like, if they had done any of those things, I'd be like, which one of you has done this before? They clearly have no idea of the concept. So... Boy, that was unbelievably stupid. Unbelievably stupid. Yeah, David, 
David in this episode more looks like the stereotypical Prince Charming, where he's basically, he even says, I can have both, which is more of what the, like, oh, uh, Charming, Lothario, sleep with multiple women. Like, that is the closest he gets to that, really, other than what we'll potentially see later with, like, who James might be. But, yeah, I mean, he's open about the fact that, like, I can have my wife and I can have, you know, Mary Margaret. And you're like, dude. Dude, not cool. Dude. Not cool, dude. Anything else on the Storybrooke plot before we talk about the Enchanted Forest? Henry needs to learn to stay away from strangers. Henry really needs to learn to stay away from strangers. Also, is that the only Henry we get this episode? Yeah, I think it is. The one thing I do like about this show is that they'll keep the characters to pop up real quick. And then they kind of go away, but you still know they're there. But I don't, I don't believe we see Henry much at all. Yeah, I'm actually curious. So typically in a show like this, like a 22-episode network TV show, the main characters have a contract, and it used to be that they had to be in every episode. Like, if you were watching an episode of Star Trek, for example, and hmm. it's, like, focused on one of the characters... There will always be, like, a cold open or a thing at the very end where the characters just, like, randomly appear, even for a second, just because they have to be in every episode of the show. And I kind of appreciate that Once Upon a Time doesn't always do that as much. They still put, like, slot people in, but, like, there have certainly been episodes, like, we didn't see David, um, and I... I think that's okay. Like, I think it, I think it makes the story, storytelling more organic rather than, like, creating some sort of weird situation where we get to see David for two seconds. Where you just randomly walk by him making out with Mary Margaret on the street? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's go to the Enchanted Forest. Um, I want to talk about Rumple in this episode. <laughs> Love him appearing in the boat. Snow did seem a little surprised by it, which is unusual. Usually when yeah. Rumple appears out of nowhere, people are just like, oh, there's a dude here. I think she was more shocked that he was in the boat than it was that it's the dark one who's scaly and wearing this fantastical costume. It was more so like, what are you doing in my boat? And I think he even asked, you know. He wants to buy the boat, yeah. which I think is funny. I think he's messing with her. Of course he's messing with her. But like, she's like, why do you want to buy my boat? It's not for sale. But when people come to see him, it's usually they make a deal. His spooky... I'm assuming that's towards his castle. Yeah. That, like, foggy, go up to the river... He made it real difficult to get to him. Which is weird for a man who wants people to show up and make deals with him. That's true. I mean, he also calls his castle the Dark Castle. So, like, that's not very inviting. Yeah, but that's just badass. <laughs> that's more important than being inviting is being badass. And if you want people to understand that you're the Dark One, you kind of need to have the Dark Castle. No, nobody said it in this episode, but it's also clear that um, it was only a day's ride from wherever Snow was. She did arrive at night. It took a full day. It took a full day. Yeah. Yeah. It was not less than a day's ride. I would say it was a full day's row from there. A full, st- full day's row. Love it. Yeah. This is all we see of Rumple. We don't see gold. Yep. I found the lead up to be hilarious. His exit kind of cracked me up a little bit too. And he kind of walks away and gives you the little wave. Mm-hmm. He also drops the line about Snow. You really are the fairest of them all, which I believe that is the first time we've heard that referenced in the show. Oh, yeah, maybe. Because I don't think Regina has asked the mirror this at any point mm-hmm. in time. And then he knows it's Snow White immediately, which is... Maybe that's a thing that... You know, is Snow White like already on wanted posters at this point? Yeah, she's definitely on wanted posters. Okay, so everyone would know who Snow White is. And what does he want in exchange for his deal? Piece of her hair. That is a... I want to know why he wants that. Um, yeah. And he also at some point says, love is the most powerful magic, 
Which is a thing that we'll hear a lot. I think this is maybe the first time we've heard that. We know Rumple loves power. And if it's, this is the most powerful magic, that is obviously what he is looking for. But how? what is he going to do with that hair? How is he going to bottle the most powerful magic? When I first watched it, I thought that he was giving her a placebo. Oh, interesting. I thought he was doing it knowing that she was never going to take it. Mm. And I was like, oh, he's just getting something that he wants because he knows she doesn't really want this, but he just will give her something that makes it look like this is what she wants. But in reality, what she needs is to go to her true love. But apparently the potion was correct. Actually does the thing. What? I have the same question that you have. What is Rumpel's motivation here? Like A piece of hair just kind of seems irrelevant. But the Dark One doesn't do things for no reason. So there's obviously something that he gets from this. And that's it. He takes what he wants. He walks out through the fog. See you later, Rumpel. We'll wait till another episode. And we do already know that he is very invested in Snow and Charming's child. Which doesn't exist yet in this episode of the Enchanted Forest. Because the timeline of the Enchanted Forest storyline is impossible to follow. Well, we do know this is a little bit before Hansel and Gretel. Based yeah. on what we see later on, we know that she hasn't been converting with the doors yet, but she will. So this is like a day before sure. that happens. Um, but he, this presumably has something to do with the fact that he wants them together because he's interested in their child. Yeah. I love that he's able to do so much with so little time and just leave. Oh yeah, he's on the screen for like two seconds. One of the things I actually really liked about season one is that he's not overdone. He yeah. comes in, he makes his point, he does his thing, and he gets out. And it's kind of like you, you're left wanting more. Always wondering, what is he doing? What is he doing? He's always in the background. And this is a perfect example of he's always in the background. And he just leaves through the fog. Yep. Uh, I also want to talk about King George. Who I want to talk about next, desperately. That man is just so mean-spirited. Like, he just, he asked, he asked David James for so much. He's like... I don't just want you to stay here and marry my daughter. I want you to be happy about it. He wants his heart. I'm actually a little bit more sympathetic to George than you are because this is a desperate man trying to save his kingdom in a world in which we acknowledge that monarchs are just bad. This is a cruel, this is a violent world. This isn't the sophisticated world we're used to like in Storybook. This is kill or be killed. And his kingdom has no gold. He needs this to happen. If they don't get married and it gets called off, isn't his kingdom just gone? Like, what is he going to do? Well, don't worry. He has enough gold to make a crown for James. Well, no, that was a gift from Midas. Which he could have used for something else. Yeah, but he doesn't want just that. He and, wants everything. And James even says, you could feed the kingdom for an entire winter with that crown. Yeah, that's true. But that's one winter. <sighs> monarchy. Who needs it? He, he's honest about the, uh, the evils of monarchy, though. He, he talks about, like, the sacrifices, the choice you made with all these men's lives at our disposal. He talks about this is not an easy position. Almost the way that you hear politicians will sometimes talk about, like, the power of the presidency may be alluring, but it's not all fun and games. Like, you have to make horrible decisions. You have to do bad things sometimes to serve a greater good that may not even work out. It's kind of how George—George George is a bad man, obviously. Like, he doesn't love David, but he does love—he did love James. That part has been very clear. He says, you're not my son, because he really did genuinely love James. I'm actually shocked that he's able to call David James and not kind of recoil in disgust. That's true. I mean, it's in private especially, but I think he recognizes the importance of making sure that that is a, is a lie that never gets discovered by anyone. Although he then, he, he tells Snow. Like, she, she says something about, like, 
you would do that to your son and he says he's not my son he snaps and tells her yeah but he snaps and he says it in a way that like a parent has been like you're not my son because i'm pissed mm. at what you did she does he doesn't be like this is the twin that really wasn't my boy sure but if you're trying to hide something that is not a phrase that you ever say no <laughs> but also he's the king his True. word is beyond contestation. I think he also knows that uh, Snow doesn't care and no. won't do anything about it. She's not going to get him killed just yeah. to prove a point. So yeah. he's very ruthless to David and he's very ruthless to uh, Snow. When he says, I won't kill you, I'm going to kill him. He knows that at that point Snow is going to do whatever he wants. I also love that this is like exactly what Regina would want. And, like, I don't even think that they've spoken about this. She's just getting lucky here. Like, Snow Snow is, is in pain and upset thanks to King George. And Regina didn't even have to do anything at all. Well, what's funny about that is that George is actually better at executing Regina's vision than Regina ever was. <laughs> she constantly pushes them together. He constantly pulls them apart. Yes, although I don't... He, he clearly doesn't know David because I don't think that he... David leaves at the, like, at the end of this episode. He, Snow very convincingly tells him that she does not love him. Yeah. He believes her and is sad and then decides not to marry Catherine or Abigail anyway and goes after her, which is definitely not what King George wanted to happen. No, but that was his best play. Yeah. He, he made all the right choices. David just happens to have a conviction because he is not a weak man. <laughs> and he does what is the right thing and follows his heart. Okay. Yeah. Totally fine with that. But how many people do you think have ever stood up to the king like that? This might be the first time anyone has defied him. So I don't blame him for thinking, well, this has worked 100,000 times before. I'm just going to tell people what I want. And it's going to get done. Yeah. We'll see more of King George. And he does some cruel shit. He is, is mean. Is he... Of, like, the villains that we come across, is he, like, one of the top three most ruthless villains? I mean, he is... The things that he threatens to do are bad. They are really bad. I, It's hard to say, because we just don't see an, enough of him, like, no. for me to say that. But, yes, I mean, he's just mean. He's mean. I would say he is exactly what I would expect of a hardened king who has seen the evils of war and what it takes to probably rule. And you got to remember, like, back in the day, assassinations and people coming from your throne, you kind of had to be a hard-ass. Yeah. Well, and I mean, his wife died. He couldn't. He was, they were barren, so they had to oh, yeah. steal babies. Do we ever know anything about his wife? No. We yeah. never meet her or anything. We just know that she died. Yeah. And I, he, I think he loved her. Genuinely. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, that's the thing. I also wonder if he would have been different when his wife was alive. Yeah, I think that's And then, possible. obviously, kind of like what we hear with, you no, know, right? Like, love is the most powerful magic of all. Without that, you could turn into a hardened kind of the way Regina has where it's like it's you true. use that and all of a sudden he turns into this monster but maybe he wasn't actually a monster like this before who knows he's a monarchy and they're all pretty much bad anyway well and speaking of of that um we meet the dwarfs for the first time and I love when Grumpy says your pain makes you who you are and encourages Snow not to take the potion also there were eight dwarves there was a stealthy and we didn't even know about him well, that would be the kind of point of having a stealthy, wouldn't it? <laughs> I guess that's true. He, he moves was around so in silence. We didn't even know. Yeah, he he dies, sadly. In a, he takes an arrow, yeah. trying to run away. Yeah. That wasn't a stealthy move, man. It Why wasn't. were they trying to run out through the courtyard again? Because it was clear when he came through. He should have listened to Snow White. She's <sighs> smart. She knows things. 
She knows how to run away from royals. I mean, she's been running away from royals her entire life. Yeah. She even says that, and they're like, no, I'm going to trust me. He's like, okay. And then he runs out in the open. Like, they don't even run against the walls. Oh, yeah, that is really weird. Yeah. And, like, Snow is such a good human. She just met these people. They did let her out of prison. But she saves them. Like, she went back to the courtyard, even though she could have just gotten away. And she lets them go. What I don't understand is, how does she get away after that? He lets her go. Why? Because she did what he asked. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Because, <laughs> yeah, they go from she's captured because she threatens to burn the whole place down. Mm-hmm. And then that's when he makes her go tell David. Exactly. That makes sense. Exactly. Um, well, let's talk about kind of the ending part, unless there's anything you want to get to before that. The ending part of the Enchanted Forest. Of the Enchanted Forest, because that's kind of the big reveal that we get, kind of the cliffhanger. Yeah, I will say, before we get to that, I cried in this episode, and it is when Snow has to walk away from Charming after telling him that she doesn't love him, and she's just, like, silently sobbing. It's just so sad. She was really convincing, too. Yeah, you know that... Okay, that's that's fair. And he was crying. I think a big trigger for me is when other people cry. Like, oh. oftentimes when I, like, like when someone dies, I'll yeah. be like, oh, yeah, that's sad. Uh-huh. And then when other people start crying about it, I'm like, oh, my God, the person died and it's so sad. I think it, this would have been more sad for me had I not known that he's only a day's ride from her anyway. Sure, so fine. sure. But, yeah, no, that's a fair point. That was a, Him crying was a, a pretty moving because his heart has been broken. Like, yeah. Definitely, that has to hurt. Though he's smart enough to see through it, which I appreciate on that one. Well, it's interesting. I don't think, I mean, see through it, sure. But I also think, I think he went after her not knowing if that was the truth or a lie. He knew that was a lie. But he didn't until Ruby told him. No, he knew that was a lie. Or Red, sorry. Red. No, he he knew that was a lie. There was no logical reason why she would have felt that way. If she truly just didn't love him, she would have just left. And I get that she tries to sell the story of like, oh, blah, 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 blah. No. You you don't show up at someone's kingdom to sneak into their chamber because you don't have any feelings for them. Yeah, I guess she could have just sent a letter. Bingo. Yeah. She okay. did all that work to okay. make sure that he was let down in the proper way because she really loves him deep down. And he knows exactly what George would do. He probably deduced that there's something wrong here. Yeah. Okay. He's not a dumb man. Like He sees through dumb. Rumpel's He's manipulations pretty quickly. And he seems so excited when he finds out that Snow does love him. Yeah. The one thing I also say, so we often talk about how Mary Margaret is making the decisions based on being a cursor over herself. Snow White, for the first time, kind of shows, cowardice feels a bit harsh, but this is the shortcut, the easy way out. Like this, I wouldn't say this is the best decision she makes, which also in this episode, Mary Margaret doesn't always make the best decision. But choosing to take the potion, that's kind of the weak way out here. Yeah, and I think, I mean, Snow is still pretty young here and in her experience her father died her stepmother hates her and she's trying to kill her like that's that's what's going on in her life right now but her father loved her mother mother yes so she has seen love before no yeah she definitely has and i don't think that she's denying that she's in love with prince charming um i'm not i'm not trying to like defend her actions here but i i think that i also think that charming and snow make each other better on like who they are yeah uh and i i think without that she feels a little lost um she has made some new friends with these 
seven seven dwarfs. That she's she cavorting with. with dwarves. She's cavorting with dwarves. Um, or dwarfs, whatever. I don't know where you fall in the dwarves or dwarfs debate. I had literally no opinion on that. Oh. I didn't know that was a debate. It absolutely is a debate. Um, Doesn't English just have a rule on that? No, there's, there's, it's like British English and American English. Anyway, we do not need to get into a ba- debate about dwarves and dwarfs. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that she's, I think that she's just really struggling and thought that this was the right thing to do. I, and I guess it is right thing to do. I I think because she felt that it was the right thing to do to leave to save James's life. I believe that. Um, and I think that she might think that she's not strong enough to continue to try to pursue him, which is definitely a weak situation here. Uh, As we see in Storybrooke, that is absolutely true. And we obviously know that she remembers him again. So I now want to know like how that's going to happen. Like, what's he gonna do? Yeah. You know, it's funny. At first, I almost was like, does she end up in the glass coffin shortly after this? Because he's wearing the attire that I swear. No, I he just wears that forever. That's what he wears all the time. That's just the Well, one... I mean, he went on the run, and he didn't probably bring very many clothes. He went on the Oh. Well, he, he's running away from King George now. Yeah, but he, like, took his, like, regalia with him on his <laughs> horse. Like, if I were taking off, that's probably not no. what I would steal. Rumpelstiltskin gives him that. Really? Yeah. When? I know that that occurs. I'm not sure if okay. it has occurred in, in something that we have watched yet. He did, that is not in his saddlebags. Rumpelstiltskin gives him that. Got it. <laughs> okay. Because you can't go for your big moment looking like a popper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. Seems very Mr. Gold, actually. It really does actually seem very Mr. Gold. But, yeah, the episode in Storybrooke essentially ends with her having taken the potion and her memory. is. In fact, it was not a placebo like I initially thought. And now she has no idea who Charming is. And that's just how it ends. We don't get any resolution in this so far. So the one thing I will say is that the difference is that in Storybrooke, they are essentially apart right now. Because, yep. I'm sorry, in the Enchanted Forest, they're apart. But at the end of the actual episode in Storybrooke, well, apparently they are together. Yep, they seem together. Regina has seen them together. Everyone has seen them together. Yeah, that's true. Um, couple funny little things before we dive into our favorite moments. Uh, there's an ongoing joke in the show about how Emma eats like a child. Um, she basically only eats grilled cheese and in this episode, Fruit Loops. Uh, so <laughs> love that we're establishing that. And uh, one of my favorite lines is when Emma asks Mary Margaret like why she's rushing out to the door. It's only 710. And Mary Margaret says, we're making a volcano. Just like the way that she delivers that line is truly hilarious. Like, how how dare you question me? We're making a volcano. I mean, there's some real sparks every time. It's true. And, uh, David Lava flowing. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite moment in this episode, Roger? The 745 interaction. Oh my god, that's my favorite moment in this episode. When David sees her <laughs> and just turns around and runs out. I think we both burst out laughing. Like, it was so ridiculous, and he's just like, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to run away. Well, yeah, I mean, it. I guess how we talked about how I'm not a person that believes in fate, and this really feels like fate. I think David is also a person that does not believe in fate. Like, David Prince Charming, like, all iterations of him, I don't think he believes in that. And he walks in at a, 30 minutes later than he usually does, and she's there. I don't believe he believes in fate, but I do think he can control his destiny in his brain. I will always find you does seem to imply yep. that he can dictate That's how true. things go. That's true. 
So we both agree that the turn and run out of Grannies is the most hilarious. Yeah, it's the most hilarious, and I I just think that it. I mean, them kissing is like again. I thought that that might break the curse when that happened. Um, and I it clearly like we we have been seeing sparks flying for many episodes now, and I want to know what happens now that they're together and in a very like well they're. It should be clandestine, but they're kissing in the middle of the street. Uh, so what's going to happen? And, like, not that far away from the restaurant they I were know. just seen at. I just, this is so stupid. Most ridiculous moment? They kissed <laughs> in broad daylight. This is the worst affair in the history of affairs that I have ever seen. By far the most ridiculous moment. And this included a rumple popping up out of nowhere asking to buy a boat. <laughs> yep, true. A rowboat. A not rowboat. Not a fancy boat. Why would the dark one need a rowboat? Yeah. Um... I do not disagree. That is a truly ridiculous moment. Mine is when Stealthy is trying to sneak uh, Grumpy out of the cell and he comes into the scene and he's like sneaking backwards. Like has whoever like wrote that, I'm not sure if they were trying to make a joke or if they like just don't understand what it means to be Stealthy. I assumed he was kind of like celebrating his victory. Oh, like, oh, a, like, like an end zone like dance. A, yeah, okay. Yeah, like he's like, look who got here to save you. Like it was kind of like a, he's taunting Grumpy that I came to save in like a playful way. The other ridiculous moment, I would say, like, the next one was the whole August, Emma, lightning crackling in the background, him being overly dramatic. Like, that that felt just so over the top. It just felt overacted to me. I mean, I think he was trying to overact it. He was. And no, I, and I get that he was, but it was just, like, for being the mysterious, uh, handsome stranger, he did a pretty discount Ruppelstiltskin there. Like, all he needed to say, like I said, was, hello, dearie. It worked. <laughs> it worked. Yeah, it did. Who's your loser of the episode? Catherine. Oh, okay. By far, Catherine. No, I mean that makes sense. Episode. Like that, her husband makes it seem like he's interested in trying to make it work with her after she logically laid out a plan for them to get better to go to Hopper, and then I don't know, like thirty minutes later, he's making out with another woman. I don't know who lost bigger than that one. I put David. For constantly making the wrong choice. Just over and over again. Because even... I don't even think that he lied to Catherine about, like, wanting to make it work with her. I think that he just, like, does not have any idea what's going on in his brain. His conflicted lives are up in his mind and he, like, literally doesn't know what to do. Yeah, that that actually is fair. I think David has the worst choices, but I think his choices aren't hurting him as bad as they're hurting other people. No, I think that's fair. And I do give him a bit of pass because he's literally got two different sets of memories that he's trying to resolve in his brain. So, yeah. okay, that's fair. Who, um, who's your winner? I'll tell you who's not my winner. Um, That's a really good question. I, I don't know that I, I have a hard winner on this episode. Go first. I'll see if I can think of one who I really Mine was rough, and you're going to really disagree with Swear to God, if you say Emma. <laughs> and no, I'm not going to oh. say Emma. Emma didn't do very much in this episode, but I don't think she could be a winner. Yeah. Mine is Snow, but I, I also had a hard time. Roger is flabbergasted. What? <laughs> Snow White? Uh, she who erased her memory is the winner of this episode? I, I think I, I do. I would not definitely write like, it's Snow White. Um, but I, I was also struggling to yeah. come up with a winner of this episode. And I think until the end of the episode, she makes the right choice. Like, she makes the choice to save Prince James so that he doesn't die. She keeps trying to push David away. At the end, she doesn't make the right choice in both instances 
But I just, I, I couldn't think of another winner. Maybe I, this, maybe no one is the winner. No, I have a winner. It's just an ugly winner. But the winner is actually David slash Charming. Really? David gets both the women he wants. Charming finds out that Snow is actually in love with him and goes to find her. He doesn't know that she's lost her memory at this point. He's actually the only one getting what he wants. It's hurting about everybody else around him. But he knows that Mary Margaret's in love with him. His wife wants to make it work with him. It's kind of scummy what he's doing, but he's not losing anything so far. I, of an episode that no one really took a win, I, I kind of think David won this episode, just in a bad way. That's interesting, how, like how you would define winner and loser. Yeah. Um, it, I don't know that we've ever had a... I selected this person as the loser yeah. and you selected them as the winner. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think the problem with this is that, like, it's... I think you selected by intent and I selected by result like David's intent was kind of bad because he even says I can't have them both like he makes it very clear he's aware of what's going on here but he can have them both as of right now which I guess is a win this is I mean also he's not, not like going to for very long because he was kissing in the street in front of Regina that's future David problems <laughs> current David still has two women and also part of it was I think Charming did finally get what he wants he left no, his loveless marriage that's true. he went to go find the woman he truly loves who he now knows loves her so like kind of Charming pushed him a little bit over the top okay um, I think that's fair yeah but it's not like a strong much like you yeah. I had this is the best of, I would have put everyone in the loser category and been fine yeah what are you looking forward to next week we are watching next week we are watching next week, season one, episode 11, Fruit of the Poisonous Tree. So we're going to learn uh, a little bit more about the king, Snow's father and Regina's husband. And um, we're going to learn about Sydney's background. This is the Sydney episode. Mm -hmm. Fruit of the Poisonous Tree. Does this also mean that the apple comes into play here that we learned from Hansel and Gretel? It does not in this episode come into play. Interesting, because, I mean, the title seems to imply heavily towards the apple. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fair I mean, enough. fruit of the poisonous tree is like a phrase. I know, but we literally have yeah. a physical fruit it's true. of a poisonous it, tree. We haven't seen it used yet. We won't actually see it used until almost the end of the season. Yeah, and I know what episode that is. I just wondered if she references it in this. I don't think so. Especially with Snow being where she's at right now. It might be easier to use it on her now when she's not in love with Charming mm. than it would be later on. I, I don't remember exactly how she gets it to happen. That's true. But... That's true. Anything else you're looking forward to? Well, other than the things that I'm still trying to wait on answers for, like Gold randomly being out in the forest, who is this mystery man? What is he doing? I am very interested in the consequences of having an affair in the middle of the street. I don't think this is going to end well for Mary Margaret. As we discussed off uh, mic, it's not David's fault. It's definitely going to be Mary Margaret's fault because that's the way affairs work. Yeah, that's true. Um, I really want to know what Rumpel's going to do with Snow White's hair. I got to know. It's going to yeah. be a while before we figure that I out. I know, but I just want to know. Uh, and I also want to know all the things that you want to know. Uh, but uh, when Red and Snow meet, with when she has the basket and she gives it to Snow, she says, I helped you when no one else would. Snow mm -hmm. says that to Red, and I want to know what that means. Yeah, I would like to know more about Red, because right now, the only character definition we have of her is when Granny says, you were trying to sleep your way up the eastern seaboard. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's Ruby. But we also don't know anything about Red. Yeah, that, but that's it. That's all yeah. we know about either one of those characters. And I mean... This is clearly not the Little Red Riding Hood of our childhood. I mean, she's 
an adult. Hot. <laughs> and she's very hot. She's not a child. No. Um, and I, yeah, I want to know what's going on with her. Yeah, I mean, we know this is probably Little Red Riding Hood based on yeah, the Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't, I, she wears a red hood. I don't know who else it could be. I don't know be. who else that could be. But yeah, that's about it. And she goes by the name Ruby in Storybrooks. So. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. And please be sure to join us next week when we watch Season 1, Episode 11, Fruit of the Poisonous Tree. We will see you next week.